To be brutally honest and intimate with the 2,000 people who listen to The Behaviorist, I have been really struggling personally and professionally with a few elements of entrepreneurship. My contemplative work has led me to realize that empowerment is quite possibly the elegant solution to these various challenges that the universe keeps serving up to me. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be learning from these struggles, and I think it has to do with letting go of control, but in a smart, organized manner. The timing also seems to be perfect. We have the most unbelievable team of talent convened at Work Wisdom. They're all smarter, nicer, kinder, and more skillful than me, which probably should be the goal of every business owner. We also have clients who are ready to let go of the idea that I am the star of the show. For a few years, we would lose business when the client only wanted to hire me. We would graciously decline those engagements. Of course, we were broke at the time, so it was a calculated bet on the future. At Work Wisdom, we spend time each fall thinking about what we've been learning about the role of Work Wisdom in the world. We look back, and then we look forward, and we notice what's been life-giving, and then what's been life-draining. We think about where there's still pain to be healed with our clients and how we can optimally be helpful. And then we think about that Coco Chanel directive where she says, elegance is refusal. So we think about what not to do. And then we try to notice exactly what on the pile of opportunities is winking at us, what's sparkling. So at a meta level, um, we're thinking about 2020, our fifth year, with seasoned eyes, and we're discerning our big question. With a few weeks to go, we think we know what's calling our name. We're wondering, how do we shape our own culture of empowerment so that we can revolutionize achievement. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. We're your hosts, Sarah Colantonio and Kedron Crosby. Our intention for the Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're focusing on a topic that's very relevant for us, since it is our big question for 2020, uh, but we think it might be relevant for your company too. We're diving deep into concrete mindsets, behaviors, habits, and cultures in which we can empower others so that we can achieve our winning aspiration. You at your company, if you're seeking to scale, reduce costs, advance your career, uh, build engagement, build more creativity within your teams, build actual physical safety, um, increase profitability, uh, any of those things, you might also be trying to crack the code on building a truly empowered culture. This is actually great timing because we've been helping one of our favorite clients this week on this notion of owning it. How do we help employees not just to be accountable, but to truly own it? I remember, Sarah, when you and I were shifting um, from this notion of accountability over toward owning it with our own authentic mm-hmm. communication service line. Do you remember that? I, yeah, I yeah. do. So, I, I mean, you can tell me what your memory is of that 
Um, what do you remember when we were going through that? I remember there was some frustration, and and specifically, I remember in the entryway of the house where we keep the printer, you know, in the closet <laughs> there, and you were asking if I had made the copies for the present authentic communication workshop that we had coming up, and I hadn't, and I hadn't touched base with the client, and so... I was feeling frustrated and you were feeling frustrated. Yeah. Um, so I remember it came out of that. It, it yeah. came out of this feeling like um, something was a little off. Yeah. And I feel like I was trying to hold you accountable, Yeah, you know, and, and that that wasn't working. And so um, rather than us get frustrated over and over with each other I had to shift from this notion of how do I hold Sarah accountable to how do I let her own this whole service line Mm -hmm. around authentic communication and then we had a different conversation which wasn't did you make the copies or have you talked to the client but (laughs) you know for the sake of the company for Mm -hmm. the sake of revolutionizing achievement we Mm -hmm. need you to own this service line and I don't know. At first, it seemed like maybe you were a little reticent mm-hmm. because you didn't seem to know what that meant. Yeah. But then very quickly, then you were really more creative than I could have ever been. You were thinking, hey, let's do a workbook. Hey, why don't right. I put together some animated shorts? And so I think shifting from that notion of accountability over towards true empowerment um, not only was fantastic for work wisdom, but it was fantastic for our clients. Yeah, it felt different too. It, it definitely, I, and I remember you saying, "I need you to own this," and that was a completely different. It felt different in my mind. It felt different in my body. Like that was, that was a huge difference. Yeah. So I, I believe that there's this really powerful nuance between accountability yeah. and then owning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often hear from our clients that they want to have a culture of accountability or even that they're having a difficult time holding people accountable Mm -hmm. so I mean let's talk about it what exactly is accountability we see accountability as it's an obligation or you know it can be a willingness to accept responsibility so an obligation or responsibility or to account for one's own actions that's more of a definition of accountability yeah and I think owning is close, but it's slightly different. Right. So owning it is also taking responsibility for what you've done. It's also mm-hmm. being accountable for your actions. But it has this other uh, nuance, which is it's also taking pride in what you've got. Right. So, you know, when I think about what are the nuances of the two, I don't know. What do you hear? I hear pride. Uh, you know, to own it feels good. It's like I'm proud of this thing and so even with authentic communication the fact that I was seeing it as this is what I I own this then I could be more creative about it I could think of whatever I wasn't worried about what anybody would think or or any limitations so yeah pride is a I think a big part of the nuance yeah. <laughs> between those two things I think so too I think it's shifting the locus of control from mm-hmm. external where someone else is having mm-hmm. this obligation that's put upon you mm-hmm. to internal where the locus of control is with you right. and so you feel probably more joy and engagement yeah. because you're owning it yeah yeah so um very Beyonce <laughs> yes own it so um 
so while we're sharing definitions and we're talking about empowerment, I think we should talk about empowerment. Um, we should probably also define culture. Mm-hmm. So our working definition of empowerment is the act of sharing your power with someone else who is better positioned to hold that power. There are a lot of reasons why it's time to evaluate who is best positioned to hold which power at work wisdom. Yeah, definitely. I also think we need to mention what culture is, and uh, this is a bit of a spoiler alert. There's no mention of ping pong tables and happy hours. Adam, can we insert a laugh track here? <laughs> uh, our, our, we can laugh. We, we laughed. <laughs> <laughs> our own All right. laugh track. Uh, so our working definition of culture is group norms of behavior and the underlying values that help keep those norms in place. How and why do you do what you do? It's comprised of stories with unwritten rules for governing behavior. I want us to talk about culture of empowerment because I want this to be true at work wisdom for decades to come. Yeah, so if we're talking about creating, truly creating a culture of empowerment, we're talking about setting group norms of behaviors Mm -hmm. that are baked in. Right. So that even long after you and I are retired or dead or whatever, (laughs) Whatever. this will live on in in the lifeblood of work wisdom. Let's talk about how we even figured out this was probably the right big question for 2020. Before, But before we go there, can we first make sure everybody understands what a big question is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we used to talk about this a lot on our podcast. We used to facilitate our uh, many um, strategic plans for our clients. Mm. And the way that we designed our own methodology, there were several key elements, one of which was discerning your big question. Mm-hmm. Before we did that, we made sure that the companies got crystal clear about what their true winning aspiration was. And then we helped them figure out how they were going to win by leaning into their unique differentiators and values. We also helped them to get very disciplined about what they were not going to do by establishing that screening process, which I think Coco Chanel would have completely loved because, (laughs) you know, we're all about refusing to do the wrong things so that we're able to get to the right things. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some other elements we used, like organizational identity and values-aligned behaviors. But what was really different about our approach was that we helped the companies discern their big question that they must ask themselves and answer by using their values and differentiators if they want to keep winning. So a big question is some opportunity or challenge that the company must address well, and if they don't, they risk losing. Some companies like to ask really big questions that take a few years to answer. At Work Wisdom, we like to think about answering a new big question every year. Mm I always think about Pixar and that each movie that they create is really an opportunity to better themselves in some very intentional way. So, for example, Monsters, Inc., that was really about getting skillful in how they animated fur. Um, Finding Nemo was about figuring out how to realistically animate water. (laughs) You get the idea. Each year for us is another opportunity to grow in skillfulness in a key way that helps us revolutionize achievement. 
Are you saying that in 2020, our fur or animated water is empowerment? Yes, I'm exactly <laughs> saying that, Sarah. So I'm thinking that 2020 is the year that we are loud and proud about empowerment. Mm-hmm. You know, work wisdom is not about Kedron Crosby anymore, um, which was actually always very intentionally my goal. For a lot of reasons, I've been trying to build up the team's presence and even their individual celebrity for years. I think it started by getting everyone to write articles for the behaviorist in Central Penn Business Journal Mm -hmm. after I had established the column. And then Mary Alice started promoting the other members of the team in our social media And thank God there are fewer and fewer pictures of me every day. Um, The Behaviorist podcast has also been a great mechanism to empower the team, build their reputations as subject matter experts. Anyhow, it's been a very quiet strategy up till now. But in 2020, I want to set it as our primary intention and align our behaviors accordingly. Uh, honey, yeah. does the team know about this yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Empowerment to a point, right? Uh-huh. So, um, well, I did float it as a rough draft, mm-hmm. um, big question, on Slack. So okay. I don't know if that counts as having um, gotten everyone's input yet. But I, I, you know, maybe at the risk of sounding like a robber baron, sometimes I do think the owner of the company has the ability to see things because of the unique seat that they're in. Uh, I do plan to listen and recalibrate as the team shares their feelings Mm -hmm. and thoughts. Um, I'd like to think that our team is very comfortable sharing when they think my ideas are off track. Now that we have a tool for measuring our own psychological safety, we should probably check our own levels. We could. could Yeah, we could. How are we going to answer our big question, though? I know we do help other companies in shaping cultures of empowerment, but how do we do it ourselves? Well, externally, typically, we begin by helping other companies by sharing four essential elements of empowered cultures. And so they're, first of all, operating efficiencies. Mm -hmm. Basically, everybody has to understand how to operate at their highest and best use or their highest and best value for the company. And, of course, this necessitates a conversation about what is my highest and best use. And and that needs to be bidirectional. That has to be a conversation. Um, The second element is clarity of roles and responsibilities. The third element is true authority to make decisions at the optimal level. Mm. And the fourth has to do with knowledge sharing. And that could be everything from a database budgeting um, to maybe the past relationship with a client. So if you want to know more about any of these, of course, um, just let me know. I'm happy to elaborate. But I was working with a company last week, and there are several organizational behavior geniuses (laughs) on their executive team. They're also very psychologically safe and creative. And so they just came right out after they heard these four, and they said, no way, you're missing trust. That is an essential element. And I said, absolutely, you're right. So I think we need to add in this fifth element being trust. So when I think about how are we going to do this for work wisdom, I think we need to look at all five of these operating efficiencies, clarity of roles and Mm -hmm. responsibilities. Do we have the true authority to make decisions at the optimal level? Is, do we have the proper knowledge shared at all the right levels? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, how do we foster trust? Yeah. 
This is really good. Maybe we should add this into our manifesto so it's visible. Yeah. And maybe we could get Ayana, who does the painting in yeah. our in our office, to come and paint these in the copier room or something. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like we need to look at this. Yeah. It's so concrete, but it's really helpful. I yeah. love it. I, well, I like the idea of hiring somebody to come in <laughs> and, you know, just facilitate this conversation for us. I, I do know there's a practice in Lancaster, Pennsylvania that does something <laughs> like this. Well, I think performing surgery on ourselves sounds painful. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. So who knows? Maybe we can hire one of our star clients to lead us through yeah. this. And that would be radical tra- <laughs> empowerment. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being part of this movement of helping world changers in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist, and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions, ask questions, and make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. Today, Kedron will leave you with some one-minute wisdom from Anthony DeMello. The master offered the perfect solution to a married couple that was forever quarreling. He said, just stop claiming as a right what you can ask for as a favor. The quarreling instantly stopped. (laughs) ¶¶